ACAST. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure that I have the opportunity of welcoming special guest Judy Miller to the show. Judy Miller is the author of a new book, called Perfect, A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. Miller's book illustrates the awe-inspiring and miraculous way that the universe orchestrates our lives towards a state of wholeness, completion of love, whether we're aware of it or not. Who has not at some point in your life experienced the feeling that there's an intelligence, a higher power greater than ourselves guiding us towards our destiny and desires? Judy is a highly successful CPA, and corporate finance executive, who, unknown to her coworkers, lived in terror of the night and the possibility of sexual assault. Happily married with children, her fears made life a modern-day nightmare. But worse, she had no idea why. There was nothing in her own personal background that would warrant the near-constant state of fear that she experienced. In her new book, Miller relates the extraordinary path she took to discover the root of those fears. On a Good Friday holiday, sitting in church with her family, Miller transcended into a state of total and unconditional love, something that went beyond just her emotions. It related to an amazing journey that she was guided to take that brought the exact right people together in the right order to right a, a wrong committed decades ago before her birth, which left its shadow on her soul. Today, you'll hear from her about the spiritual journey that unfolded and which guided her heart enabled forgiveness against multiple generations, and showed her the perfection of all that we are. Judy's book is available at Amazon.com, and you can find additional information about our guests on her website, www.judymiller.net, J-U-D-I-M-I-L-L-E-R.net, where there are several bonus items, including a free ebook called Creator Within. It's a great pleasure that I welcome Judy Miller to the show. It's great to to be here, Jason. It's great to be here, Jason. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things for me that I've learned in the last several months uh, is the power of forgiveness within my own life. Uh, just, you know, all this isolation that we've had to go through with the, the, the pandemic and, you know, being on your own a lot. My first question I want to ask you is what motivated you to write your book? Jason, have you ever felt different, maybe incomplete or maybe even unworthy? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think many people do. And, and the reason I ask that question is because these feelings literally plagued me for most of my life. 
Um, you mentioned that I started my career as a CPA and then I went into finance in the healthcare industry. But I always, Jason, I always felt different. Um, I was actually born in Trinidad, which is an island in the Caribbean. Um, we moved to the U.S. when I was very young. I looked different than other people in my neighborhood. I was also born with 11 fingers, and I can feel and sense different energies, especially at night. And because I felt different, I was always trying to hide myself. Um, but I, what I realized on this journey is by feeling like nothing, I realized in the nothingness I could actually be anything that I want. So what I mean by that is when we drop the stories, the labels, and the judgments, we could all emerge as our true and authentic self. And, and the reason I wrote the book is because I looked around and I saw so many people who carried so many of the same fears and burdens that I did that I just wanted to share with them that there is a better way. I love that. I believe very strongly in personal journeys and transformation. So your book really did jump out at me in the sense of my ability to identify with your message. I want to ask you this, based on your own personal experiences and your own personal journey, I mean, having 11 digits on your finger definitely makes you unique to your average peers. And I know you say you felt different about your gifts. And I want to just ask you, what was the biggest turning point in your journey that sets you on the path you eventually wound up on, writing your book and just pursuing your current path that you're on now? I think that's a fantastic question. Um, before we jump into it, can I give you an overview of the story? And then this way you can see the context of how everything actually fits in. Please do. Absolutely. So, so, so like most children, I had fears as a child. I was actually afraid of drowning, but I was actually terrified at the night as well. And I was also actually afraid of being sexually assaulted, even though I hadn't been. So as a child, these feelings felt very confusing. And I actually never shared that with anyone until this book came out. Um, so because I could feel these different energies at night, I actually didn't know if they were there to help me or to harm me. Um, so every night I would literally crawl into bed, pull the covers over my head and recite the Lord's Prayer over and over again until exhausted I would fall asleep. And this was my ritual night after night. And as we mentioned, you know, I started my career as a CPA, so these feelings and these terrors continued well into my 20s. I would literally go to work during the day, and then at night, I would be back in bed covering myself up, terrified of what I couldn't explain. Um, then I met my husband at work. We got married, and we had kids. And in the exhaustion of raising two incredible kids, working 40 to 50 hours a week and commuting three hours a day for work, in that exhaustion, Jason, everything stopped. The energies, the fears, the subtle whispers, everything stopped. But then my kids grew up, and then they went off to college, and the house became silent. And in the silence, everything returned. The terror returned, the subtle energies, the spirits. People asked me what it felt like, and it felt like somebody was always standing next to me or behind me, or if there's eyes staring at me from across the room. And I would wake up in terror at night, clutching at my husband in fear, and we soon both began to lose sleep. And then around the same time, I actually um, started to bleed uncontrollably month after month, and my doctor recommended a hysterectomy. And I was actually terrified of this surgery, and I couldn't understand why. Um, I had worked in the healthcare industry for over 20 years, and modern medicine was something that I trusted implicitly. But it felt like the same terror that I had at night as a child and the same terror that returned to me as an adult. So actually a good friend of mine recommended a book called Light Emerging by Barbara Brennan. And I'm not sure if, if you've ever heard of it, but Barbara was a former NASA physicist and she actually studied the human energy field. And what she learned, she was actually able to heal people. So literally, literally days before my surgery, I found myself Googling healers near me. And as I sat across from my healer for that very first time, I literally heard the click of a lock, like my entire life was locking into place. And at the hmm. time, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds strange, but I'm extremely honest. <laughs> no, it sounds so, interesting. Um... <laughs> I didn't interrupt you. It's just that sometimes I'll make responses when I hear things. And that sounds really interesting when you say something clicked in place. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let me interrupt you. <laughs> but it literally, I, I literally heard the click. But uh, I, at the time, I didn't know the role that that healer would actually play in my family's history. So she helped me heal after my hysterectomy. And then in the following months, we started to explore this uncontrollable fear of the night. I never told her about sexual assault or that fear. Um, so we worked for several months. Uh, we looked at my childhood experiences to see if anything that actually triggered the fear, but nothing came to light. And then she actually introduced me to something I actually never had heard of, which was past lives. Um, she introduced <laughs> me to the work of Dr. 
<laughs> Dr. Brian Weiss, and Dr. Weiss was actually a very prominent psychiatrist and very reputable. He studied at Columbia and he studied at Yale. And he had a patient, Catherine, who had these unexplainable fears and phobias. And quite by accident during hypnosis, he was able to actually take her back to past lives where this fear had actually originated. And by understanding where it came from, she was actually healed. So she introduced me to these past life um, uh, amazing stories. And then we also started to talk about my parents. And we know, Jason, that we inherit so many things from our family through our DNA. But the science of epigenetics says that we can actually inherit the pain and the trauma from our parents. And they've actually shown with Holocaust survivors that the pain and the terror that they went through actually was passed down to their children and their children's children. Um, so that trauma that I felt every night wasn't actually my own. It was actually a cellular memory from my mother. And, and the reason I say it's a cellular memory is that every female baby is born with two to three million of their reproductive eggs at birth. And, and many, many scientists believe that they actually don't produce any more. So on a cellular level, all the triumphs and the traumas, especially your mother went through, on a cellular level, you were probably there. Um, so that pain and the trauma actually was a pass down to my mother. But Jason, Jason, the story doesn't end there. There's actually a shocking past life connection to the very healer that I trusted in this lifetime to heal me. She was actually the one that inflicted the pain on my family. And in that wow. moment of revelation, yeah, wow. In that moment of revelation, I could have felt fear. I could have felt anger. I could have felt betrayal, but I didn't. All I felt was love and the perfection of the universe. And I saw how all of our souls are actually interconnected across lifetimes, how we're unconditionally loved, and how we can actually come back and heal. Um, so that's the reason I wrote the book, is to really share that with people. I, I, I know it sounds unusual and uncommon, but I do no, listen. it was a promise. You're at the right place, the right platform for your book, because <laughs> I always talk about spiritual experiences. And what you're talking to me, it's funny, because I'll write notes as we're talking, just for my own talking points, follow up with you. I literally, before you revealed the, the information about the sexual assault and the, and the fear of the night, I was like, you must have had a past life. You must have had, that was my, my psychic side talking, my spiritual side. Because <laughs> I have my lawyer side, like you're a CPA, right? You're a numbers person, financial person. I have my lawyer side. So I, it's funny, though, because when I do my show, I, I kind of now I bounce back and forth between lawyer hat and psychic hat, but it's more a spiritual thing more than anything else on our show. But I'll say I did feel that you had the past life type thing. And then the other thing I'm, I'm unpacking when you talked about epigenetics, epigen, ep, epigenetics, right? Is that how you said it? The Holocaust? I've heard about that, where it could be in your DNA that you pass it on, almost like a survival of the fittest as part of your, your, your structure of the, of the tragedy of, of a past situations. And what I find really interesting in what you just, in terms of unpacking everything you just shared is the synchronicity with your discovery of the past life, the trauma from your mom, and then having the healer who helped you actually be the person who inflicted that pain. I almost feel like that's a huge circle the universe puts you on and, and, and probably puts you on the path you're on to help talk about the the reality of the power of forgiveness. Because I can tell you from a firsthand point of view that most of us find it hard to forgive. Most, and, and it shouldn't be, but we do. And I think that's a lot of it has to do with our own ego and our own focus on ourselves. And so what I want to ask you, the follow-up question of everything you just revealed already, is how do you credit understanding the power of forgiveness itself into the equation of being able to work with your healer to not only understand everything from your mom's trauma and everything she went through, but being able to move beyond where that existed to heal and forgive. Mm, great story. So, so, so Jason, for me, forgiveness is really just letting go of the contracted negative stories that no longer serves us, that holds us prisoners in our lives. So, you know, mm -hmm. unwanted events are going to happen to all of us, right? We could either experience it once or we could play it over and over again. So for me, forgiveness is not condoning the actions of another person. For me, forgiveness is letting go of the stories that keep us in the cycle of victimhood, right? So when I, when I shared the story with you, my story with you, I said in that moment of revelation, I could have felt fear, anger, or betrayal. I could have created a story that would literally have haunted me for the rest of my life. 
but I didn't. And by not creating the story, I was actually able to experience the miracle in the moment. Amazing. I have a question. Your revelation, your epiphany with mm-hmm. your healer. Can you give the name of your healer again, just so I have it in terms of my understanding of who this person is? Do you have the first name of the person? or? Sure. So the name of the uh, person in the book is Diana. Diana, okay. And the reason I asked that question is when you first encountered Diana and understood, actually, let me rephrase my question. How did you first uncover that Diana was the person that inflicted the original trauma on your mom? So there's a lot of synchronicities. You talked about synchronicities, and I believe there are no accidents. I believe synchronicities are basically the universe's way of letting us know that we're not alone, that we're not abandoned, that we're loved. And the first synchronicity is when I realized this connection with my healer, Diana. I scheduled an appointment to see her, to tell her about this connection that we had. And as I was waiting for our session to start, I just was Googling on the Internet. For some reason, I thought that she must be younger than me. She must be younger than me with this agreement um, to come in and heal me. I don't know where I got this idea, but that was in my mind. So literally, I'm just waiting for our appointment. And as I went on the Internet to Google her birthday, Jason, it was the same exact day. It was that (laughs) very day. So that was the first synchronicity. And you know, and I don't know if you've ever doubted your abilities, right? (laughs) Always. It's normal. That was that. That was the first one, and I'm like, okay, this is just a crazy coincidence. I need another sign. So, universe, please just give me another sign. So I pulled out a deck of cards, and uh, the card that I pulled was Diana. Wow. Now you know that. So. Wow. <laughs> I can't explain that, but, hey, it was the universe saying, yeah, it's, it's true. Even though it sounds crazy, it was, it was true. Let me ask you this, because it sounds mm-hmm. like you've got a very evidentiary-based mind like I do. If you work with numbers, you've got to work with the here and now, the concrete. How did you react firsthand to this type of stuff happening to you? Because I know everyone responds to these things differently. A lot of disbelief, a lot of doubt, ignore it, it's just coincidence. What point did you realize that this was something more than mere coincidence? And how did your CPA financial background type mind wrap its arms around all of this? You know, it's one thing to Mm -hmm. talk about it and write a book about it, but certainly another to share with our audience what your initial reactions were when you first realized that this was unfolding in front of you. And it's not explainable with the five senses of the body. (laughs) That's great. That's great. So, you know, I do believe, and we've all heard this, uh, the teacher appears when the student is ready. So I worked with my healer for nine months. Jason, if I had found out the connection with me and my healer when I first met her, I would be telling a very different story. It literally took the universe nine months to get me ready to be able to process and understand what this was all about. So on this journey, and what I explain in my book, Perfect, is how to truly just let go of our stories and experience things in our bodies. Emotions are meant to be sensations that are felt in our bodies. Our bodies tell the truth. Our minds don't always tell the truth. They create stories, labels, and judgments that are not always accurate. Um, so, so, so like I mentioned, you know, I could have created a story when I first understood this revelation, but I had learned over the nine months to truly experience life in my body as sensation and then let it go. So what I mean by that is Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight. She was a Harvard neuroscientist who was actually able to cure herself from traumatic brain injury. And what she discusses in her book and how she was actually able to heal herself she calls it the 90-second rule. So, so, Jason, when an event happens, either good or bad, it actually only takes us 90 seconds to process that event through our physiology and then let it go. If it lasts more than 90 seconds, we've actually started to create a story. So on this journey, I have learned how to truly just process life through my body rather than creating all of these potentially unnecessary harmful stories. So when I first learned of the revelation, I probably cried for 24 hours, right? But Jason, have you ever cried? Of course. (laughs) Of course. Have you, have you ever cried because you were, have you ever cried because you were sad? 
you know, interestingly, not to get too much into me, but I don't cry as easily as I'd like to. I think it takes a triggering event, but it's not like even as I become an adult and I've been an adult for quite a while, obviously I'm in my forties, but I don't, for some reason, I don't cry as easily and I respect people who can. And I think that's just my own whatever, but I, res I respect what you're saying. Yes, I've cried in the past. Has there been a triggering event in recent times since the last six months? Probably not as easily for whatever reason that is. And, and we're all different. Um, so I totally respect that. So the reason I ask is because tears of joy and tears of sadness spring from my body exactly the same way. And there's some debate whether or not it's actually the same chemical and it triggers the same part of the brain. So tears of sadness and tears of joy actually feel very similar to me. It's just the label that I put on it. So even though I cried for 24 hours after I learned of this revelation, I didn't label them as tears of happiness or tears of joy. I literally felt them as sensations that washed it through my body, and I was actually able to let them go. And I think that was the reason why I was able to process this unbelievable experience without creating a story or a label. That's interesting. Uh, let me tell you this. Looking at your book mm -hmm. and how you have divided it into three parts, stories, reflections, and exercises, I want to ask for audience's purposes, what made you break up the book in that way, and does it reflect your own personal experience with your emotions and understanding So, So 80% of the book is actually written like a novel. Most people actually don't read past the first 19 pages of a book. So I actually wrote it as a novel because I wanted people to be, to go along with the experience with me and want to know how it ends. So there's a lot of twists and turns in the book. So it, it's really intended to keep people engaged. And then there's a handful of pages, which I call reflections. And the reason for the reflections is to help people understand what are the key lessons? How can they let go of their own stories that don't serve them? And then there's a couple of simple exercises, and I made them extremely simple on purpose because I know how busy we all are. But the purpose of the exercises is so they can embody the lessons and live it and experience it in their own lives. So that's why I wrote it that way. In terms of your book, let's say I'm in the audience right now and I'm listening to this podcast episode and I'm interested and I'm intrigued by Perfect. If you were to break down in your own understanding, who would be the ideal person that this book was written for and why? So in the beginning, I mentioned that I felt different, incomplete, unworthy. And it's really targeted to those people who've experienced those things because we are actually none of those things. And I would love to share a, a story from the book that explains that. I believe most of us go around most of our lives feeling unworthy or even unlovable. And, um, you know, this whole experience started for me when I was sitting in church on Good Friday. And uh, I was waiting for mass to start. They were singing. The choir was singing. My kids were on their phones, I'm sure, texting. And as I sat there, this overwhelming feeling of love literally just descended upon me out of nowhere. And, you know, I've always been fascinated with near-death experiences. And, you know, you hear people, you know, being surrounded by the lights and feeling this incredible sense of love. But here I was. I was fully alive. I felt like I was dying with my eyes wide open. And this feeling of love descended upon me. And it was so incredible. It was every sensation of love you could imagine multiplied a million times. And the reason I share that with you is because if we knew how much we were loved, we would never doubt ourselves again. We would never feel unworthy or unlovable. Um, so that's actually where the journey started in the book. And there's definitely what more is, stories I can God. share with you. So <laughs> if you want me to share more, no. I can definitely do that. What, let me ask you this. When you were thinking about writing this book, what was the greatest obstacle you encountered based on your personal experiences and getting this thing accomplished? I believe that the greatest thing was the sense that nobody would believe this story. You know, it seems so incredible and different. And I, you know, I learned, you know, over the past several years that even Jason, your story is incredible. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but when you, when you first went through that experience, did you think everybody was going to believe you? When I, when I first went through <laughs> my experience, 
I'll, I'll talk for a second. My grandfather came to me at Forbes of Light the night he died, and I was in a hotel in Wisconsin, and he had just passed from his stroke. And it happened where I, it was a, a dark room, the lights, the room lit up by these orbs of light, and he washed over me with unconditional love and told me, basically spoke to me telepathically and said, I'm with you, son, go get food. I'm always going to be with you. Don't ever cry about me. And I never did. That's why when you asked me, when's the last time I really cried? I'm trying to think in the last 15 years, did I really cry in this deep, deep sorrow kind of thing? And I'll have to say, really, since that experience I had on August 12, 2004, the night my grandfather died when he appeared, some unconditional love washed over me. And it ridded me of that, at least with him and, and even with my grandmother when she passed after him a few years later. So going back to your question, yeah, did I believe people would never believe me? Absolutely. I kept it quiet for a good 10 years because I didn't want it to in interfere with my reputation as an attorney. I was up and coming lawyer back then. And I felt that if I was going to share the information that people would, you know, judge me negatively. And, and that was a fear I had to overcome. Uh, so I completely understand when you say that people might doubt you. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, I've, I've been a finance director for, I don't even know how many years, probably 15, 16 years. And when people that I worked with found out I was, you know, publishing a book, they picked it up and they were expecting it to be you know, <laughs> self-help, finance, accounting. And when they started to read it, they were surprised. So. You know, to your question, I think that was the biggest challenge is, is, is being afraid that people wouldn't believe me. But I thought the message was important enough to take that risk. And I think you think the same way because, you know, regardless of what people say or think, you know that you're doing something that's important. You know, I find interesting about what you just said. This platform, my podcast, is really what opened me up to letting people, just anyone, know about my own personal experiences. More important than that, though, I also think having someone like you appear on the show also can serve a very strong opportunity for others to not only believe in something that they can't see or understand at first sight, but to also respect that you're coming forward with your own individual courage. You're putting yourself on the line to communicate things that an average person would think far-fetched. And I 100% respect you for that. I think you're a trailblazer. Like anyone I have on the show that does what you do, where you have your day job, as I call it, and then you have this occurring uh, as, as something that you're very passionate about and courageous about, that's something that I think is going to shift the needle on how society looks at this stuff. The more people that we have who are credible, that are willing to put their necks on the line to convey these kind of facts and information, the better our society is going to be at understanding the big picture of it all. So I think that's something that you should be definitely, you know, happy about in terms of promoting your book is that anyone who reads it and picks it up and sees it and, and hears you like on a show like this, it's going to open up. And mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of the important lessons of healing that we can gain. Let me ask you this. What do you, what do you consider our greatest superpower, so to speak? So in the late 80s, Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and, and many people may know and be familiar with it. And he said, between stimulus and response is our greatest power, the power to choose. And, you know, I read this many, many years ago, and it's actually changed my life. The way that I apply it is that between stimulus and response, there's a gap. And in that gap, we get to decide. We get to decide how to live our lives meaning that when an event happens, we could either truly just process it through our bodies and let it go, like we were talking about before, or we can create a story that empowers us or a, or a story that disempowers us. So we have that choice. We are the creators of our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you not create a story and what does it take to the body mean? So it's similar to what I was saying before, where you, when an event happens, you truly need to feel it in your body. So many people have not been trained to process their emotions. I know that for most of my life, I haven't. I've been up in my head most of my life. So like you said, I'm a CPA, but I didn't tell you my parents are accountants. My sister is an accountant. My husband's a CPA. And my daughter is a CPA. So we're very up in our heads and very left-brained, right? So 
and and also we also know the the societal you know norms you know boys don't cry big girls don't cry you can't cry in a meeting etc so many of us haven't been trained to process our emotions so we either shove them away think about them and not truly process them and and jason when we don't fully process our emotions they get stuck in our bodies and if they don't get processed they eventually cause pain or even maybe even sickness so take it to the body means to train ourselves to actually feel our emotions. Do not label them. Feel them and let them go. So I know that sounds a little easy, but, you know, the more you do it, it does become easier. I believe heavily in synchronicity myself, and because I feel like the pandemic has put a lot of us on our path inwards, by having to stay inside and not being able to, you know, having the social distance and be by yourself a lot, I feel like it forces us to deal with ourselves. And one of the things I want to ask you is, in terms of the COVID reality that we're in right now, post-pandemic world that we're going to be headed into as, you know, time goes on, what do you think our audience can gain from reading your book, Perfect? And how do you think it could help them with coping with our current unsettling times? Hmm. So I'm going to share a story, and I'm going to relate it to COVID. So I was at my healer, and we were trying to do a hypnosis. And as I was laying on the table, I literally felt myself rising, first through kind of like a purple haze and then out into this bright white light, similar to like that near-death experience I was telling you about. And in that bright white light, again, I was overwhelmed with this sense of love. And the message that I got, Jason, that I think is so appropriate for this time is that we could all go home by loving and accepting who we are, especially as we are. Um, you know, the joys and the reunion in remembering who we are. And the reason I say it applies to this time is because isn't it funny that with COVID we're all being sent home? And I think the reason we're being sent home is because it's our opportunity to reconnect with ourselves. So what I mean by that is I believe so many of us have abandoned ourselves emotionally, spiritually, um, and physically, right? And this is the universe's way of saying, hey, it's, it's a reset. It's time to reconnect with who you are, truly who you are. And I believe the loneliness and the isolation that we often feel as humans is not the isolation from each other. It's the isolation when we become disconnected from the creator and from who we truly are being disconnected as well in this computerized digital age. I think part of what we're going through right now is a reset button on a spiritual, emotional, transformative level. I want to ask you this. Absolutely. You me I mentioned during your intro, and I know the information talks about when you were in church on a good Friday with your family and the choir started singing, that something astonishing happened where you ascend mm -hmm. transcended into a state of total and unconditional love. I wanted to see if you could talk about that experience to our audience and explain how it was so pivotal in your own journey. Right. So that was, that was the overwhelming sense of love that I felt that descended upon me that kind of started this entire journey. Um, but uh, as I was laying in bed after my surgery, um, I didn't take any painkillers, so it wasn't a hallucination of any kind. But as I was laying in bed, I actually had an Irish guide come and visit me. And um, she would drift in, in and out of my awareness. And, and what she said to me is that we're never alone, never abandoned, always loved. If we knew who stood beside us, we would never be afraid. And it's interesting because it's, it sounds similar to the message that your grandfather told you, right? That you would never be alone. <laughs> he would always watch over you. Um, so, yeah, if, if we all knew who stood beside us in any given moment, would we live our lives differently? And I think many of us would. Absolutely, right? <laughs> it's, um, I'm trying to think, It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas movie from the 40s that we, a lot of us, depending on your age group, grew up with every Christmas where you put it on and he makes a deal with his angel that he's going to see what life was like without him in it. I think we all yeah. like the idea that every time a bell rings, an angel gets its, ring, its wings, right? His or her wings and that they help give us divine guidance to get us to where we need to be or get through the obstacles facing us. So I would definitely think, if anything, as a society, if we were aware of what you're sharing in your message or even in my own individual experiences, 
that people could get on board with that because then they'll see there's a greater purpose than what's in front of them. You know, if you're in, if you're in a place by yourself during the pandemic, like I know every nook and cranny of my condo here in Tampa, cause I've been here for five or six months by myself for the most part every day. And uh, I've been <laughs> reorganizing rooms and switching up pillows just to make myself feel better. Even though I know in the reality of things right now, this is where I have to be for now. Um, let me ask you this. When you look at where the world is headed today, you know, we mm -hmm. had the presidential debate yesterday. I don't mean to talk politics to you, but I just want to ask you, with the way that the world's been cascading the way it is, what guidance would you give somebody who's without a job, frustrated, stressed out, really down on things? What guidance would you give them in their own particular life to reflect what so, you've so, gained in terms of your experiences with your book? So, so I have three answers. So the first one is what we were talking about before. So the importance of self-love and self-care, because I do believe many of us have abandoned ourselves. So are you sleeping? Are you exercising? Are you eating properly? Are you, so that would be the kind of like the physical, emotionally, are you focusing on love? Or are you focusing on gratitude? Because we know from the law of attraction, what we focus on, you know, grows stronger in our lives. Um, are spiritually, are we finding time to meditate, to be in nature, to be still, to be silent, to pray? So self-love is not arrogant. The more that we can love ourselves, the more love we have to give to others. So that would be one response. Um, and then we were talking before about how it's important to actually feel our emotions and process them in our bodies, right? So whenever I feel a contraction in my body, so, Jason, if you said something that was hurtful, if it didn't bother me, I would probably feel that, you know, I didn't have an emotion around that or a trauma around that. But if you said something and I felt it in my chest, it's probably something that I need to heal in myself. It's probably a trauma or a story that I'm carrying. That's why I'm having a reaction to what you said. So whenever I feel that contraction in my body, I say thank you because I know it's an opportunity to heal. So right now on this planet, with everything going on, with the politics, the, the riots, the, the fires, the hurricanes, everything, I feel that the planet is contracting. And it's the universe's way of saying, in the contraction, it's an opportunity to heal. It's an opportunity to heal the planet. It's an opportunity to heal our relationships. It's bringing it into our awareness so we can do something about it. Wow. That's so those, profound so those to are, me. That sounds great. <laughs> great answer. <laughs> in terms of what we've been through in 2020, a lot of people say, gosh, this year, I wish I could wipe it off the map. I wish I could never have to go back to it again. I wish I could just get through it because this has been the worst year of my life. And, you know, while things were starting to hit with the pandemic back in March and April and then in general, at first, I felt that way, even though I consider myself a fairly spiritual person. But then I'm also looking at it probably from the flashpoint that we needed to have 2020 in order to become better in ourselves and better in our society and better in general. Kind of like what you said, the universe is forcing us to have contractions right now to become uh, a better form of who we are and what we believe in everything else. And I just want to ask you, when you look at the rest of 2020 and you look at beyond, do you feel the same way that it, we needed to get through this year? in order to experience these downturns, in order to see the bigger picture of where we're headed and what's coming ahead for ourselves and forgive and move on, or heal, I should say, let go? What's your opinion? Absolutely, because I believe in the contrast. We have clarity. So without the contrast, we don't have the clarity. So you probably heard there can't be light without darkness. <laughs> yes. So, so we need those contrasts in order for us to be able to become aware and to do something about certain, certain situations. Um, so, so I have a friend of mine who's been, you know, impacted by all of these riots, and she said, you know, she wishes they never happened. And what I asked her was, you know, if you buried it and did nothing about our relationships with each other, nothing would ever change. But bringing it to the forefront, even though it's painful and it's raw, at least we can do something to heal it. That's very true. What do you believe about people's own self-concepts and what they consider to be the truth, the distortion of facts in their own mind? Like, you know, your own story gets in the way sometimes, your own narrative. 
how do you think someone could get past their own inner narrative or dialogue to look beyond to heal and forgive? And, you know, all the stories, labels, and judgments that we hold in ourselves is just mirrored back to us. I'll answer your question, but, you know, I, I like to tell you different parts of the book just so it can relate. Sure. And it's, 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 similar to, it's similar to when your, um, your grandfather passed away. So um, when my mother-in-law passed away, I am not a medium, but I was communicating with her. Like you said, you were communicating telepathically, and that's exactly what I was doing. And she literally, almost like a movie screen, literally within seconds, she showed me every experience that I had with my husband's family. And, you know, I felt different most of my life. So, of course, that's what I attracted into my life. My husband is different socially, racially, spiritually, you know, everything, culturally. So, of course, I attracted somebody that was totally different than me. Um, So I closed off my heart to not, I never truly let them all in because I never wanted to be hurt. I never wanted to feel like they didn't love me or I didn't belong. But because I felt that, I'm the one that created that in my life. And what she showed me in those scenes is what we hold in our bodies is just merely reflected back to us in our experiences and in our lives. So I think it's so important to let go of those stories because those stories do, you you hear this, you know, people break up with someone and then all of a sudden they're dating the same exact person, right? So we do attract the same types of situations and events into our lives. We've probably all experienced it. So it's so important to let go of our stories. And I have an acronym that I use. I call MEST. And the N stands for basically notice the stories you're creating. Most of us are on autopilot. We just have the same story that keeps firing off in our brain. And we have 60,000 thoughts a day, right? 95% of them are the same ones you had yesterday and the day before, and 80% of them are negative. So as humans, we're hardwired to notice and experience the negative aspects of the situation because millions of years ago, it was critical for our survival. But we no longer live in that reality where we have to hunt and gather for our food. So we need to retrain the mind. So the first thing is to notice that we're creating these negative stories, right? And then the E stands for we need to experience the emotions, what I was saying before. Truly experience the emotion and how you're feeling about that event in your body rather than creating that story in the head. And the S stands for we know that we are incredibly powerful and we play the same stories over and over again. So you really need to scratch the record so you can't play the story again. And, you know, there's different ways. You've probably heard of some of these. You can say cancel, 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 Claire. As soon as you start to have that negative thought, you can replace it with a more empowering thought. You can use a rubber band to snap your wrist every time you have that negative thought. And the reason I think that works is because it disrupts the story and also gets you back into your body. And the last one is, I learned this from Tony Robbins. I call it zany crazy thing. Come up with something so absurd that whenever you have that negative story, disrupt it. So when my husband and I get into an argument, we'll actually grab each other by the nose. And we will start to laugh uncontrollably, Jason, that we can't argue anymore. So we've disrupted the story, (laughs) that story of having to prove that we're correct. And then the T was what we were talking about before, tender, loving care. It's so important not to abandon ourselves. When we find time to reconnect with who we are, we reconnect with the essence of who we truly are, which is love. So that's what NEST stands for. So those are very quick ways that I describe in the book of how people can really just start to let go of those stories. I work with clients when I do readings. I haven't done as many readings recently because I enjoy more of my podcasts and my other stuff. But when I do readings with people, I always tell them to let go of the what-if thoughts. And it sounds to me like what you're talking about with your story, in my mind at least, or how I relate to what you're telling me or how you're explaining it, is we can have our own self-perceived what-if thoughts is what I call it, like our negative thoughts of insecurity, our fears, our worries. If you have a situation, like, for example, you brought up a breakup. If you really like somebody and they ghosted you or they stopped talking to you, you might think all these what-if thoughts, like how did this happen? What did I do? Did I say something? Did I approach it the wrong way? The reality is it, it's like retell that story in your mind to get rid of the spell of those negative thoughts and just kind of react and move forward. Would that be kind of the approach of what you're describing? But I'm simp- I don't mean to simplify it. I'm just internalizing what you're telling me and applying it to one of my situations in life, for example. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we were talking about Tony Robbins with the zany crazy thing before, so I'll quote him again um, since, since we were talking about him. But he says the quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions we ask. So if we break up with someone or somebody doesn't call us, instead of saying, you know, why is that person not calling me, you know, what's wrong with me, et cetera, maybe we could ask more empowering questions. You know what I mean? Sure. And if you actually, I think if you train yourself to look at it and say, it's probably not me at all in that dynamic of that scenario, it might be the other person. It might be something larger than what we're even dealing with ourselves. So don't internalize these negative thoughts and make it part of your narrative because it's unnecessary. You're inflicting negativity into your own self. That's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I do invite people to first feel it as an emotion in your body, because if you don't process your emotions, they do get stuck. So our human energy Mm. field, right? So what happens is when we don't process emotions, feelings, and stories, it literally gets stuck in our energy field, and it distorts our ability to see. So if you were to put pink glasses on, everything looks pink, right? So when we have distortions or blocks in our energy field, it distorts the way that we see the world. And, you know, some people believe that pain and sickness in our bodies first start in our energy field and then manifest in our bodies. So there's great importance to letting go of those stories that don't, don't, don't serve us. So, Jason, not all stories are bad. So, Jason, you're changing the world with your podcast. You're smart and you're brilliant. Those are empowering stories. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's the negative stories that we habitually keep playing over and over again. That can paralyze us within ourselves, it, right? It, exactly. You think about exactly. It? Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's liberating yourself from within is what I'm picking up from you. So liberate yourself. Yeah. So Angela Zarian is a cultural anthropologist, and she said in some indigenous cultures, it's important to share your story with loving and supportive people, but no more than two times, because if you keep repeating the same story, it does become your identity. So in these cultures, if you repeat your story more than three times, they literally take you and hang you over a cliff until you're willing Mm. to let go of that story and see the wisdom in the experience. That would be the That's just best another... way. I don't advocate for that. Uh, that would be an interesting <laughs> way to get people to move past when they're stuck on something, right? You're going to hang up there until you get past yourself and then move on. And you see how many people are going to be moving beyond their current stuck viewpoint, I'm sure. That might be something exactly. interesting, not a literal cliff, you know, maybe. <laughs> but you don't have You know what to, I think of when you say be... that? What, what's that? Go ahead, sorry. I'm thinking of that, that, say, that, that walkway that's out in Arizona where you can walk over the Grand Canyon with the glass underneath you. Maybe people who are afraid of heights stand on that to get rid of their negative viewpoints. <laughs> and then when you're done, come back over here and let's make up. Let's fix your vantage point of where you're coming from so you don't have these paralyzed thoughts in your mind limiting yourself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's just a great visual if you this. want to start learning to let go. Uh, yeah, right. You could you could run a retreat over there. I'm trying to think of the name of that that particular site, but it's definitely been something that's caught my interest over there in Arizona. Let me ask you this: Why do you think painful and unwanted events occur in our lives? So you know, I talk about stories and letting go of stories. So there's two types of stories. There's stories like we're talking about, right, and like my book and et cetera, um, which I think is so impactful because people associate with stories. But the stories that I'm suggesting we let go of are the stories that limit us, right? So can I share a story with you? Please do. Okay, so Little Soul in the Sun. It's a children's book written by Neil Donald Walsh. Neil Donald Walsh is famous for the conversations with God. Those are his adult book. But he wrote this book, Little Soul in the Sun, which is a children's book. And he said, in heaven, everything is perfect. We cannot experience our perfection because there's only perfection. So like we were talking about before, Jason, without, without darkness, there can't be light. So in heaven, we decide on the lessons that we want to learn and experience here on earth. And then when we come to earth, we're pretending so hard to be what we're not. We forget. So in this story, this little soul wants to learn about forgiveness and unconditional love. And God says, well, there's nothing to forgive. Everything's perfect. And then this angel of light comes forward and says, I will help you. I will help you learn how to forgive. And I will help you learn how to be unconditionally loving. And he goes, well, how will you do that? And why will you do that? And she goes, I will do it because I love you. And I will do something so atrocious that you will have to learn forgiveness and unconditional love. But in the moment that I strike you, please remember that I'm pretending so hard to be what I'm not. 
that I have forgotten. And I do believe we come to Earth to experience the magnificence of who we are because there cannot be, you know, we, we cannot have the light without the darkness. We need that contrast for clarity. So we come to Earth to learn these lessons and to experience who we truly are. That's one. And then the other one, the other reason, and then the other one that's more practical for people is, um, you know, we've often heard that out of adversity, we grow stronger. There's so many people that I've spoken to that have gone through such traumatic events, and they say that they actually would go through it again because they've come out the other side a stronger person. I can relate to that 100%. I've seen people who go through that in their lives and how much stronger and remarkable they are. When you deal with like a fatal illness or a breakup of a long relationship or job stress or whatever those things are, I think they really do define your appreciation of your path in life and make you realize that you really can withstand more than you ever thought you could. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in that moment, it feels very painful. But if we took that thousand foot view, we could see how all of the events of our lives interconnect to tell a much richer story. It's very true. What do you, let's discuss epigenetics because that's something that intrigues me as well. I, I've heard about the Holocaust, and I know we mentioned it briefly earlier. And what I want to ask you is when you first learned about the science of epigenetics and how it factors into your personal story with Perfect, what do you, what do you, what'd you find about the science itself and in terms of the research area for it and how important it is to, to perfect itself and having other people understand your journey? Right. So, you know, we were talking about the research that was done on the Holocaust victims. So they've actually shown it with mice also. They actually um, introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to the mice and then they would zap the mice on the foot. So, Jason, as you can expect, just the smell of cherry blossom after a while would trigger this fear. So what was astonishing was that when they introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to the children and the grandchildren of the mice, they were also triggered by that same fear. Um, so the science of epigenetics is, is, is very, very real, um, and it does impact us in significant ways. What was the second part of your question, Jason? I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I just wanted to ask you in terms of your journey itself and your understanding of epigenetics, um, epigenetics how, how could, I guess, as a takeaway, people understanding it, what did you take from it in terms of your own personal story, in terms of having other people understand your journey? Right. So I think it was critical because these spheres, I never knew where these spheres came from. And, and I think what's also important is certain indigenous cultures um, in North America believe that when we heal, we heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. So when I went through this healing journey, not only did it heal my mother, but it also healed my children as well. Um, so I know we're running low on time. I just want to ask you, in terms of your, your book and your journey, how has your life changed since you've gone through this experience? And what, in what significant way that you'd like to share with our audience? So, you know, we keep talking about stories and, you know, the book is really about stories and it applies to so many things. It applies to everything in life. So when we drop the stories, labels and judgments, as I mentioned before, you know, we see everything through the eyes of the creator. We see everything through the eyes of the blog where there's no separation. And, and my life has changed in so many ways because also when you drop the stories, labels and judgments, you experience each moment as if it was for the first time. And life becomes truly miraculous. It's amazing. What is the message you want our readers to walk away with from this episode today? So once we change our perspective, everything changes, life changes. We can no longer look at life the same way. So the experience that I went through and the experiences that you've gone through, you probably can't look at life the same way anymore. You could only move forward now. Um, so what if life was one huge interconnected puzzle with no wrong pieces, each piece perfect and part of the whole? Once we see life that way, we can start letting go of those stories that no longer serve us, the stories of feeling incomplete, unworthy, or different. And we could really experience ourselves for who we are. That's very true. I want to ask you this. I ask all my guests this. First thing I want to ask you, tell our audience where they can find you. I know I, I directed them to our to your website, judymiller.net. I wanted to ask, 
Is there anywhere else that they should turn to to pick up information about you, or what would you recommend? I know that there's also a free ebook on there called Creator Within. So I want to see right. if you can share so, that with our audience as well. Sure. So Judy with an I, Miller.net. All of my social media handles are there. I also write a monthly blog. And uh, Jason, you might have mentioned in the beginning, when they buy the book, they actually get five free bonuses from some of my favorite teachers. So definitely take advantage of that. And then also on my website is an absolutely free ebook called Awaken the Creator Within. That's perfect. I want to ask you this. I know um, you've mentioned various topics here. If you were to attribute your personal experiences to a mentor or spiritual guide, who would that person be and why? John Newton. John Newton is the founder of Health Beyond Belief, and he's an ancestral clearer. And he taught me the importance of forgiveness and letting go of the stories. And he also taught me the importance of truly experiencing life in our bodies rather than in our heads. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you one last follow-up. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? And I'll go first. I always ask this of my guests. So I, I always say I'm an owl because I can get above and look 360 everywhere. Plus, I have two parrots, so I love birds. And spiritually, I just feel like I'm a free soul that can kind of soar and go beyond my boundaries in my own personal life. And I want to just ask you, what spirit animal do you think you most closely connect with and why? A black, a black panther. Wow. A black panther it represents, uh, represents uh, conquering darkness and fear, and it's the uh, mother spirit that protects their children. Oh, I love that. That's great. That's very deep <laughs> and, uh, and, and worthy in terms of recent times with the black panther and just in general. I really appreciate your, your candidness there. I, I want to thank you for coming on, and I really appreciate just having you share your personal story, because I really do think our, our audience is going to be able to reflect on perfect and, and really understand its concepts for their own betterment. Is there anything else coming up that you'd like to share with our audience that maybe in 2021, you're going to have a new project coming out? Or is there anything that you would like to let us know about? Well, as you know, right now, I'm just focusing on really spreading the word. The book only came out uh, about two months ago. So I've been just really sharing the story with people because I believe it's such an important message. And, you know, the passion that I have for the book is the same passion that I see you with your podcast. So I know that I'll be helping and working with people in the future and writing more. So I look forward to the future. I can tell you that if and when, I should say more like when you come out with another book, please let us know. I'm always happy to share your information with our audience and share your work with our audience because I think that they could really benefit from your perspective. And I want to thank you for taking the time to share this information with our show. And I'm deeply excited that you have what your past seems like it's really illuminating a lot of others on your journey. And I really want to just thank you for taking the time to share everything that you've learned and gained on your personal journey with Perfect. And please keep us surprised as you go forward. And, and always think of us because I'd love to have you back on in the future to talk about these topics. I feel like there's more that we could cover that we've just kind of scratched at the surface in this, in this interview. So. So Jason, this was so much fun and I really appreciated the opportunity <laughs> to share my story with you and your audience. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And I just really appreciate you coming on and sharing everything with us. Cause I think that's just one of the best gifts anyone could, could hope for is to have someone who's been as inspired as you to share your passions with our audience so that they can be inspired in turn. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. I just want to thank Ms. Miller for coming on to the show. Perfect. A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation is now available on Amazon.com. When you approach the topic of love, forgiveness, and transformation, those are three powerful terms a lot of us attribute different meanings to. Some people might say they have a love of movies or they love sports or perhaps they love their significant other. I think forgiveness itself reflects our ability to get outside of our comfort zone. And our transformation occurs when you can take that love, learn how to forgive and move forward on your path. I think it's such a critical message for us to, to really apply, understand, and practice 
what Judy is talking about in her book, because of the fact that everything she describes is a journey of growth, a journey of realization, and a journey of authenticity. We can all look at what we've gone through the last six months and attribute different meanings to it. One of the things I'll say from a personal viewpoint is I've learned to move beyond a lot of the things from the past that I always held on to that I couldn't let go of. For example, and I'll share this with my audience, I had a very negative relationship with my dad. We never knew each other. He was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And from the time I was four months old, he was absent from my life. He died in 2012. I never had a chance to forgive him in any way for what I felt his perceived absence and neglect and lack of relationship with. It did a number on me growing up. And I'm sure a lot of you have relationships like that in your own lives. Well, the pandemic and having to stay by yourself a lot and trying to look at the calendar and seeing days go by at lightning speed while we're trying to understand the new normal and the unsettling times, that's, that forced me to come to grips with my father, my relationship with my dad. And it was unique in a way because being a medium, I'll have dreams with my dad since he passed away asking me to forgive him. And I would always shut that down immediately, even in my dreams. And then I've also had the added benefit of knowing other psychics, other psychic mediums, that when they're around me, they'll say, oh, your dad's coming through. Did you know your dad is, is popping up and wants you to forgive him? So there was all these synchronicities. And this happened for like the last four years. It wasn't until July of this year that I finally made the decision that I would explore the possibility of forgiving my father. And one of the things that I did was I started to meditate. And as I meditated, I, I kind of just felt like I recorded my voice on my phone with the record function. And I, I delved into the type of things that I remember I felt my dad wronged me with. And I remember that feeling of all the negative emotions tied into that, reliving those experiences in my mind through these meditations that I did. And I did those for several days. And I recorded what I did. I could hold myself accountable. I never did go back to listen to any of those recordings. But what I think happened in my own personal experience is that I learned to apply what Judy's talking about in her book. In, an, in essence, I took the love for myself and for my heart and so self-love, and I applied forgiveness to my relationship with my father, not saying that I ever had a real relationship with him while he was alive, but spiritually, I've been able to heal and forgive him for what I perceived as negative things he did to me in my life by not having a relationship and not being there for me and not being responsive to me or supportive or any of those kind of things. And since July, I've been liberated. I literally every day now think positive thoughts about my father. And not only isolated to my father, those positive feelings have become very, say, very generous. Uh, I've been very generous with those positive feelings and other aspects of my life. It's helped my relationships on a lot of levels with a lot of different people. So from my vantage point, I just want to thank Judy for coming on the show. I wanted to share that with you because it's, you know, we all live based on our experiences and based on the things that we get through and how we overcome these obstacles that are laid out in front of us. Sometimes they may feel like a mountain that you got to get over and get through. But overall, what I like about Judy Miller's book, Perfect, is it guides you. It's almost like it can give you a map, how to journey into yourself and become a better version of yourself, how to become more patient, more understanding. Utilizing the power of forgiveness is such a unique power. It's Someone was asking, like I asked Judy, what our greatest superpower is. From personal experience since July, I would say it's our ability to look beyond our own self-perceived obstacles and limitations and comfort zones, to venture outside of that, to grow from that, and to learn to forgive. I want to thank each of you for tuning into this episode. I want you to check out Judy Miller's book, as I have previously indicated. Her website is www.judymiller.net. She does have a free ebook available on that site called Creator Within. And check out Perfect, A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. It is currently available on Amazon. And I highly recommend it to each of you because I think you will become inspired from Judy Miller's story and various anecdotes 
portraying the power of one to love, forgiveness, and transformation. With that, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, stay healthy, stay happy, and stay focused. And vote. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook. And don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Are you looking for that perfect gift to express your appreciation for your loved one or bestie? Well, look no further. Royal Susie offers one-of-a-kind designs with genuine high-quality crystals, stones, and the most precious of metals that are guaranteed to satisfy the urges of your inner king or queen. Each piece is handcrafted with love and is sure to inspire and captivate all. Indulge yourself by visiting Royal Susie's website at www.royalsusie.com for splendid items like agate bookends, impressively crystal-studded bottle stoppers, and beautifully handcrafted nightlights that will charm every room in your home. Royal Susie's featured collections will truly delight your guests and always make them feel welcome. Any questions? Contact Royal Susie directly by email at royalsusiedesigns at yahoo.com. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid.